Last week after my message, I walked up and around the side and to the hospitality and coffee table over there, grabbed a napkin, a few of them, and walked outside, and how can I put this delicately, blew my nose. Now, someone must have seen me do that, or someone's must have seen me do that, because after we were all done with the worship service, someone during coffee hour came up and kind of gently touched me on the elbow and leaned in and said quietly, were you crying? It's actually a pretty on-target question. If you were here last week or you listened on the podcast, you may know that last week's message was a deeply confessional message. It was also about the reality of forgiveness in our lives, entering into that vulnerable space in which we ask another person or people to forgive us for where we have erred. The thing was, I actually wasn't crying. I I don't cry that much up here. It's not because I'm not moved. Uh, It's just that I know what's coming. You know, sometimes the spirit really moves me and I don't exactly know what comes up. And sometimes there are Sundays when the emotion of the moment overwhelms me so much. The Sunday after Newtown, when I do cry in this pulpit. But I answer that person, no, I, I wasn't crying. Thank you for asking. I wasn't crying. It was because of this. I am allergic to everything at this time of the year. <laughs> Sneezy and wheezy, the pollen in the air, the seeds blowing in our atmosphere. Uh, a friend of mine on Facebook recently uh, talked about being outside on his front porch in the late afternoon and seeing all kinds of seeds released from all kinds of plants in his neighborhood just being blown through the air and being struck at how beautiful this was and also how liberating it was that these seeds were willing to, if you will, if you want to personify them, let themselves go to become something else as this season of growth comes to an end. They were willing to become new life. It's what Maria spoke about this morning so beautifully. Here at Wellsprings, this is a watershed moment, a time of change, the end of something, the beginning of something else, and it's so well-timed what she spoke about because I told her this afterward, it was actually this very week, this last week in September, 10 years ago, that the planting team first gathered with each other. So much space between then and now. So much time between then and now. So many things that happened between then and now that we could not have predicted, that we could not have foreseen. And yet, this is what we really heard in her words. So much continuity as well. So many of the things that we dreamed for, hoped for, I can't say even planned for, but birthed into in that time are still so much here and so much alive, unfolding from that first cell, that first single cell of who we were. It's like a a therapist friend of mine. We went through seminary together, and I checked back with her a couple years when she was into her practice. And she said she'd come to a whole bunch of realizations, but this was probably the one that she most noticed, which is that she could tell in the first five minutes of sitting with a prospective new client, in those first five minutes of talking and that person sharing their story with them, everything that they were going to unpack in the entirety 
of the time that they were working together. It's kind of like I thought it was uh, uh, ragu. Turns out it's prego. But if you remember the old (laughs) phrase, it's in there. It's really crappy tomato sauce, I think. But it's like a great tagline. It's in there. Already present. Already possible. It reminds me that the, the metaphors, the stories, the images, whether it's what a therapist tells you, whether it's a jar of crappy to spaghetti sauce, the images, stories, metaphors we use to talk about our spiritual lives really matter because they don't just describe what's happening. In fact, what they do is they guide us and help us know how to look and where to look as we continue to grow. There's a number of different metaphors, a whole bunch. And I want to talk about a few today for what this spiritual life is really all about. The first one, and it's one of the ones we hear very, very often about, is pilgrimage. Something that's a part of so many traditions. And pilgrimage is, of course, an incredibly powerful part of the spiritual life. In some traditions, however, that pilgrimage becomes about getting elsewhere, as in beyond this life. We're not so much part of that tradition. We kind of focus on a little more what's here and what's now. And so sometimes we'll say, well, it's not, you know, the destination. It's the journey. But still, the limitations of pilgrimage as the heart of spiritual life is that it plays into something that is kind of already a part of our culture. I call it someday syndrome or elsewhere envy. Life is elsewhere. It's not that where we're headed isn't important. It is. And yet, when this is the heart of the spiritual journey for us, when pilgrimage is the heart, we actually wind up doing something called spiritual bypassing very often. We can hear the voice of spiritual bypassing in those teachers who talk about religion or spirituality as all about the sunny side of the street and all about unlocking achievement and life hacks and all that kind of stuff. Again, not that it's wrong. It's just incomplete. Because the problem with spiritual bypassing is that we then don't pay attention to the shadow. We don't pay attention to forgiveness or hurt or woundedness. All the stuff that really is the mud and the silt that can give birth to new life. When we're only focused on where we're going and getting there, we lose focus on the present. And the presence of who we are. And who we're with. See, the, the key question in this spiritual tradition, Unitarian Universalism, is not, were you there? You know, were you there a long time ago when the significant moment happened? When the single scripture, teacher, savior, however you want to describe it, came into being? It's not, were you there? So that we can be, also the wrong question, I think, where are you going to be? Are you going to be on the right side of history when it all comes to a close? It's not, were you there? Or where are you going to be? It's are you here? Are we here now with the fullness of our lives? That's why pilgrimage doesn't really cut it for me. There's another image that we hear very often used to describe the spiritual life. It's this building, manufacturing. For about five decades, the most well-known adult faith growth curriculum in our movement was called Building Your Own Theology. I think that's a really limited metaphor. 
Architecture is great. My brother-in-law is an architecture. He talks about all kinds of cool things and designs, and I don't understand it. Certainly not the math that keeps it up right, but it's awesome, and it's beautiful to look at very often. But if we think of our lives as buildings, as individual products of manufacture, I think, unfortunately, it ends up segregating our lives. Oh, I built this when I was that age, and now I'm building this. And it doesn't honor the connections. It also does another thing, which is like our core cultural addiction that so many of us struggle with. It goes by the name of the B word. You all know it. Busy. When manufacturing, when building is our core organizing metaphor, the spiritual life, and sorry, folks, to burst our bubble, sorry to burst my bubble, it overrates our activity. (laughs) Because the truth is, and pastoring now for 17 and a half years has taught me this more, if it's taught me anything, sometimes the most spiritually profound and rich times in our lives, those times when we're very close to birth and those times when we're very close to death, are not times in which we may feel objectively the most strong, like we're building the most. But in fact, that nearness to birth, that nearness to death, well, maybe we're not all that strong. In those times... I think we are so close to the heart of what this life is really all about. That word manufacture, by the way, if you know any Spanish, manos, hands. Manufacture means built by hands. Our stuff, a lot of it we do is great. But what is, what is in this world is so much more than what is made by our hands. A theology of manufacture leaves out grace, and if we leave out grace, we're leaving out the larger world. What is can be destroyed. What is can be cared for by our hands. But life is so much more than what we build, what we're headed toward, or what we manufacture. And so this ends me up in the law of three. You can see where I'm going with the Metaphor, the image that for me signifies the heart of the spiritual life. It is gardening. It is cultivating. That both honors our activity, our creativity, our ability to contribute to growth, but also says that's not what it's all about. I love cultivating and gardening, even as a newbie gardener, because it reminds me that the acorn contains the tree that ends up containing the acorn. And the pollen contains the plant that contains the pollen, and the seed contains the fruit that contains the seed. At all stages, already present, already bursting with possibility. See, the problem, I think, with too much manufacture, too much building, or too much pilgrimage is that we just make our lives into a matter of getting from point A to point B. And that is a really great way to trip ourselves up by way of this question. Ah, Great building. Hmm, Great church. Is that all there is? (laughs) To move beyond the A to B means accepting and really loving the fact that, yes, things change, but in the gardening metaphor, there are cycles. 
cycling and cycling and cycling and rippling through all of our lives and each of them pregnant with what has already been and what is going to be. This is connecting in a very powerful way with a power, however you define it, that is greater than ourselves. Seeing our lives not as discrete, not as separate, not as pieces of machine. Instead, our lives become larger, more connected, more generous. It's actually something similar. His words, not mine, different theology, but I think he's headed to the same heart of what I'm talking about. That's what the Pope said in the parkway last night. If you watched any of his homily, uh, he talked about a question he received from a little kid, and kids ask the best theological questions of all time because they have imagination that adults don't have, and theology is about that moral, that ethical, that wide-hearted, open-hearted imagination. The question was, what was God doing before God created the earth? <laughs> and the Pope said, well, tough question. But God's answer, or, you know, or what the Pope's answer was about God, I think, just nails it for me. Before there was creation, God was already loving. Not beginning, not end. Already present. Already possible. To move beyond seeing our lives just a matter of beginning a journey or ending a journey or overvaluing or undervaluing our work, seeing ourselves as being or becoming because we're producing, it means entering into a much deeper level of wisdom. It means that we can touch the reality of what the great writer Anne Lamott said when she described a friend of hers who was dying, dying mindfully, consciously in touch. And she said he was living big, round, pregnant hours. Now, in the logical sense, right, it makes no logical rationale whatsoever to say someone dying is living big, round, pregnant hours. But if you've been around people who are dying consciously, you knew exactly what she's talking about. You're around anyone, including yourself, when something is coming to an end and we're connected. We just run a reminder of this. If you're allergic like me, just start sneezing. (laughs) Pay attention to the pollen. Pay attention to the seeds. This is the first full summer, first full growing season that my wife and I have been in our house that we bought a little over a year ago. And so I decided, my publisher, my dad was once publisher of Organic Gardening. I was going to see if buried deep within me there was a green thumb. And so this was my garden on May 24th. I still remember the auspicious day. Oh, look at those little things. I'm so proud of them. And they grew. Unbelievable. You put in the ground, you put good stinky soil on it and manure and all that kind of stuff, and it grows. And then they grew some more. And then, oh, I have to tell you, the moment. <laughs> the moment like that was a sunrise, the first sunrise I've ever seen. When this thing is actually growing fruit and I can eat that fruit, oh. <laughs> already present, already possible. And then this picture taken just two days ago. Still, this is one of the nice parts about starting the garden far too late is I'm still growing really great fruit, but we can see on there what else is there. Death has come to the garden. It is time for nature to slow down. But is it the end? My dinner Friday night tells me no. (laughs) The seed contains the fruit, contains the seed. All life, just changing form, already present, already possible. 
I don't know because I have no authority to speak about personal immortality. I'm hopeful. I believe something of us survives in some transcendent way, but it really is above my pay grade. By the way, I still think it's above your pay grade. I think it's above all our pay grades. So I'm hopeful, open to it. But what I do absolutely believe in is participatory immortality. In fact, it's what we already are. Already present. Already possible. All that pollen handing its life over. All those seeds containing the next season to come. All that life form. All that life energy. Changing. Growing. And yes, including myself, who doesn't get, when we're allergic, a little cranky, a little irritable, a little coughy, sneezy, weepy, all the bad dwarves, you know? When we're in the midst of change, who doesn't feel that? But if we can take a hint from the pollen, if we can remember that our lives are seed, we will remember that we were not created from nothing. We are created from everything. And so we are created for everything. And everything is created for us. And so our lives belong to everything. And everything belongs to us. Finally, everything belongs. May we all scatter our lives as seed today. Scatter our lives as the belonging love that we already are and that is already present and already possible. Amen. May you live in blessing. Let's pray together. Divine, divine spirit beyond imagination, beyond code, beyond law, beyond text, just beyond. And yet, so intimately written into our hearts that sometimes the way we look, we do not see what is so obvious, that our lives are already seed. That in scattering ourselves, we are not lost. We are joining the great, big, wonderful dance of life. And so we know within our very DNA, biologically and also spiritually, we already belong. We are never alone. No one is. And we are beloved. Amen.